This show is brought to you by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Then get in on the action at Sports Interaction. Whatever your sport, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pre-game, in-game, or on one of our many unique prop bets. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN, or in Ontario, download the app using the QR code at the bottom of the screen. 19 and over. Please play responsibly. I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show, powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. On today's episode of Leafs Corner, the Ryan O'Reilly trade. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> trades, Julian. Trades. Okay, we got it. Okay, before we get into the Ryan O'Reilly thing, we have to address the fact that, uh, yes, we did record an episode that was supposed to be out today, uh, and it was going to have all this information, and we were going to talk about Alan Walsh and Daryl Sutter and the Calgary Flames, and it was very good. It was, was say, very good. Don't say past tense. We did actually talk about those things, but only producer Nick will ever hear it. It's it's part of our B-side collection, never to be released. Can we mention the fact, too, Um I have to mention, I was off my phone yesterday, but I looked up in the chat and I saw that producer Nick scheduled the episode. Like he sent the message saying he scheduled the episode. And then within like 10 minutes of that, you're like, oh, Ryan O'Reilly got traded. Like, that's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, only the Leafs would announce a trade at 11 p.m. on a Friday night, two weeks before the deadline. Uh, and, And I don't say that in the manner that they're doing it to inconvenience anyone, but I do think that they're highly sensitive to trying to have things leak. Cause I do think in, in this circumstance, circumstance like this, a lot of teams would agree to that deal late Friday night in principle. They might even do the trade call, but mutually agree what time it would be announced on Saturday morning. But you know, the Leafs like to, as soon as something's done, it's done and they, they want to get it out there. They want to for as best as they can control the, the news flow. And so we got a 10 52 or whatever time it was PM Eastern time, uh, you know, email and, and tweet from the Leafs. Ryan O'Reilly, Nola Chari, Josh Pilar to Toronto, Mikhail Abramov, Adam Gaudet, a first round pick from Toronto in 2023, a third rounder from Ottawa in 2023, a 2024 second round pick, all of those things going to St. Louis and Minnesota gets a 2025 fourth round pick. And uh, they also retain part of Ryan O'Reilly's salary. Um, that's the deal. That is the deal. Right. And so, look, at I'm having trouble in my network of people I communicate with around the league finding anyone who doesn't like this for Toronto. Um, I'll read you right from my text without revealing who they are. Ooh. This okay. this on Ryan O'Reilly. He's having a down year, but I like it. Good chance there's still a lot left in the tank. Um, let me look further down. Exactly what they needed, speaking of the Leafs. Um, you know, universally, I think a lot of people – Inside the game, I think this was a smart move for for Kyle Dubas and the Leafs. Uh, you know, I think externally, maybe there's some questions because this was the sort of trade Kyle Dubas said himself, right? He met the media, you know, 10 days ago and, and you know, was quite, re- you know, reluctant himself to, to pay a first-round pick plus-plus for a rental player. And in this case, that's what he's done for two rental players. And, you know, I should note right off the top, Ryan O'Reilly said to be very excited to be coming – uh, to play here close to his hometown, but I don't expect any contract extension talks in the near term. I think that he's going to get acclimated, get comfortable, 
And this can be a wait and see type of situation, you know, which played out last year with Mark Giordano with the Leafs, you know, a deadline day pickup who signed a two-year extension after the season was done. You know, I think that there's a possibility you're seeing O'Reilly stay in Toronto longer term because because he likes it, the idea of it. But I, I don't think that it's going to be a Bo Horvat type of case where we're getting an extension announced within a couple of days. So this this is got to be viewed at this point in time as a rental package. It's a lot. It, it's basically all of the Leafs remaining draft capital uh, for the immediate term. I mean, of course, they could be trading 20, more 20, 24 picks or more 25, 26 picks if they wanted. But, you know, they don't have very much in the upcoming 2023 draft left to deal you know, they haven't wanted to touch their top prospect, Matthew Nyes, and I think a few other prospects. They managed to hold on to those guys, and they've used up a lot of their cap space. Uh, and so, you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways we can chop this up. But look at the Leafs forward group right now. Like, for me, this is the biggest deadline deal by a Leafs team, you know, probably in 20 years. Maybe, yeah. Like, I since the days, the Pat Quinn era, you know, they, they went and made big t- deals at the time for Ron Francis and Brian Leach. Uh, they brought Doug Gilmore back, unfortunately got injured, but you know, Owen Nolan, you know, they made some big swings in that, that era of the franchise, but since the salary cap's been around, I don't think you've seen it and as aggressive a move as this is uh, because I see it as potentially far more impactful than even if the Nick Felino trade had a worked out. And obviously it didn't cause Felino was injured. He played eight or nine games in Toronto. I, I don't think that the ceiling, like the ceiling of Ryan O'Reilly is something entirely different with respect to Nick Felino. Uh, and and I don't think we should sleep on the Nolachari, you know, aspect of this as well. And so right now you have five centermen in Toronto, uh, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, David Camp, who's been here, and Nolachari. I believe they're all above 53% in the face-off dot. Uh, the last three names I mentioned, they're all penalty killers. So that they've added, you know, O'Reilly and Achari can, can chip in on the PK. You know, of course, O'Reilly is known as one of the better 200-foot players in the game. I know he's having a down season. I know he's coming off six weeks off a broken foot, but this is a difference making kind of piece potentially. And and I think what's most encouraging, honestly, Julian, is, is he came back to the Blues lineup. He played three games. And from what I told for, was told from scouts in the building that he was excellent in those games, that he looked um, like he had fully recovered. And so, man, it's a big swing. It's a moonshot. It's a Friday night trade few saw coming. I think, you know, Ryan O'Reilly being linked to the Leafs isn't new. Even Nolachari to a lesser degree isn't new, but but the, the way it came down, sort of out of the clear blue sky, you know, I'm halfway through a glass of red wine and bam, um, pretty pretty big move. And now we get to see these guys play on Saturday night. It's kind of funny because we we mentioned on the podcast the possibility of a Ryan O'Reilly Leafs trade. I mean, that rumor was out there and we discussed it. Uh, I'm My next question is just curious to know, like, I mean, even if it is kind of out the blue, do you have any insight on how long this might have taken to to consummate between both sides? It sounds like it really heated up in the last few days. The Leafs have had that interest. You know, I think going back to December was when I first started, you know, hearing that A, that St. Louis might be in a position where they think about trading their captain because that that wasn't necessarily clear entering the season, right? I mean, now we have the Blues have traded Tarasenko and O'Reilly. They, they've added two first-round picks, so they now own three in the 2023 draft. They've got other players to sell. Uh, Ivan Barbashev's still there. They've started floating their defensemen. But, you know, when this season started, I, I wouldn't have necessarily said that O'Reilly would be a guy moved at this deadline, but it hasn't been a good year in St. Louis and Doug Armstrong dripped off the Band-Aid. And so I think the Leafs' interest does date back a couple months, but in the last few days, it really got cooking. And then, you know, they needed Minnesota, as you mentioned, as, as in reading off the trade details, to to get Ryan O'Reilly's cap it to the lowest 
possible amount. And, and you know, that's another part of this. The Leafs have, they basically used up all their remaining draft capital for, for 2023 and, and all their remaining cap space, more or less. Um, they're, they're pretty tight to the ceiling now. Um, you know, especially once they get Matt Murray back off of LTIR when he's, when he's healthy here in the, the not too distant future, they're, they're going to be right up against it. But um, you know, I, I think that it's the Leafs clearly prioritized it, right? I mean, this is, you know, they, they, they've been linked to Patrick Kane and Timo Meyer, and, and I think that there was, you know, at least some interest in both those cases surveying of the market, but they prioritized O'Reilly. Uh, they went out and made the move. I mean, look, there's there's some risk in this. There's a chance that this still becomes a buyer's market in the next two weeks, and this looks like too much to pay. You know, that 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 is possible. This this might be a deadline where the teams that wait till the end to make their moves end up looking smartest because the prices really fall on some of the top remaining players. But, you know, that being said, uh, there's not enough, like Ryan O'Reilly is a very specific piece and ad for the Leafs, right? I mean, you're, you're talking like a third line center, you know, as I mentioned, they now have five centers who are all extremely capable in, in the defensive aspects of the game and winning faceoffs. So one of those players, if everyone's healthy is already pushed to the wing. Sheldon Keefe is a coach that loves to, to change his lines around in game like he he does not he, he doesn't write them in pen on the board if you know what I mean like he's he's got the yeah. white the, the whiteboard uh, there to to erase and try new things and I just think this gives him all kinds of pieces to to shake things up if things aren't working I would expect at some point we're going to see him try to build a third line that's that's almost a shutdown line for the playoffs a line that he's matching against Tampa's best players especially when they're on the road uh, I would ex- I would think O'Reilly's part of that and maybe David Camp is, is moved to the wing because because he's filled that sort of role in the past, you know, but he's, he's got options now. And, and so I think this has tremendous potential for the Leafs lineup, but I just don't think there's anyone else out there, you know, if, and it's still an, if, if Ryan O'Reilly still has lots of gas in the tank. And if he comes back healthy from this injury, I don't think there's anyone else out there that, that could do what he does. I mean, we're talking a guy who's got Selkie votes almost every year of his NHL career uh, and, and won a Selkie trophy in 2019. He's been a finalist a couple other times, you know, one of the best defensive forwards in the game. I think this changes the look of the Leafs in a meaningful way. And, you know, that's why they paid a big price and that's why they, they ultimately pulled the trigger. So you mentioned the draft capital being used up, the salary cap space, what they have. So does this mean the Leafs are done ahead of the deadline? Like, do can we expect them to kind of just sit with what they have? What's next for this team? No, I'm, I'm told they're not done, that they're still actively in the marketplace for upgrades. I think what's notable now, though, is, you know, as I understand it, the Leafs really, they may have a small amount of flexibility cap wise, but more or less, they would be a cap in cap out team if they were to make another upgrade. And so what you're talking about then is removing something from the roster or from the organization that isn't just a futures piece to to bring in more salary. And so you're you're only making that trade if you you think you're getting an upgrade, say on Justin Hall and he's going out, if you're say acquiring a defenseman, getting an upgrade on an Alex Kerfoot or, or someone maybe that does some different things that you might need. And, and his salary is going out the door to make it work. Or maybe it's Camp, or maybe it's Pierre Engvall. You know, I, I think the Leafs are going to look at and consider everything. Um, you know, you, you make the this first trade with St. Louis. I mean, you're, you're Kyle Dubas doesn't like the term all in, but he's kind of as all in as he's ever been, right? Since, you know, this is his fifth year managing the team in, in the main chair. And so I, I think that you're, it's, he's still got two weeks to work the marketplace. And, and as I say, maybe if it develops into a buyer's market, he's, able to dip back in and add another piece that isn't quite as expensive as it looks like it might be today. This takes the pressure off in a sense. I don't, I don't think they have to do something else, um, but they're, they're definitely not, you know, 
shutting the phones down and putting their feet up and enjoying their team. They, they're they're going to spend these next you know 13 days, I think, pretty aggressively looking for for other ways to to get better. Kyle Dubas in the final year of his contract as GM, Austin Matthews will inevitably become the main topic point uh, with his contract starting in the summer. Uh, this team has not gotten out of the first round since 2004. It does not get any more all in than that trade. It, it, does, it does not get any more all in than this trade deadline for the Toronto it's, Maple Leafs. It's, it is what also, it is. I would also say there's not another team in the league that has as much as many expiring contracts and key contracts as they do coming up. I mean, what they've done is add two more UFAs. Like if you go to, you know, Puckpedia or cap friendly, that it's just a list of, of guys who need new contracts one way or another for, for the Leafs, you know, Michael Bunting, you know, just go down the list, Justin Hall, Engvall, Kampf, uh, you know, Matthews, Aston as you Reese. mentioned, is, is coming up one year out. Aston Reese. I mean, this is, this is an all in type of year and there's tons of, there's tons of flexibility for them to pivot in a completely other direction, or maybe it's successful and they're just extending Matthews and Nylander. Maybe they're trying to get O'Reilly to, to, to sell him on a bit of a hometown discount. Cause it'd be hard to imagine him, you know, making seven and a half million in Toronto as, as you know, he has on the last number of years on his expiring deal. Um, you know, there's a lot of possibility. And then there's also the possibility that let's, let's just call it as it is that this doesn't work that Kyle Dubas's bosses, Leafs ownership, Brendan Shanahan, decides that they're going another direction and it's someone else making that decision with as clean of a cap page as you can pretty much have in today's game. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to go in on the Leafs before we mention some of the other headlines uh, with regards to Patrick Kane and Timo Meyer and, and the Oilers and such. I just want to make, I want to make sure we exhaust every possible angle of this story. Well, I'm just excited to, to see how it all fits together now. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. Like this team it, that, at the time of the trade is fifth in the NHL in points percentage and pretty close to fourth is, is adding two pieces without subtracting, right? Any, anyone from the active roster. Um, and so that that's going to change your, cause both of those guys are playing every game when healthy. So you're, you're knocking some players down a peg and you're, you're adding depth, but you're also adding a difference maker, I think in, in O'Reilly. And, you know, it, it's probably helpful too, that he's played in, other cities you know what i mean like this isn't his first trade i know he had a long run of success in st louis he was the captain you know he won the con smythe he won the stanley cup there i mean that'll be part of something part of his life that he'll never forget um but you know here he is with a pretty unique opportunity to get thrown into this leafs playoff chase playoff race potential stanley cup run um and you know they got to slay the dragon in round one so this is uh this is an intriguing move. I, I'd like to see if and how Tampa, you know, might counter it in some ways. You know, that was my next thinking, man. Like at this point, if you're Tampa Bay and you see that, you're like, hmm, okay, all right, we have to respond to this because we all know they're playing in that first round. We all know well, what that matchup's gonna be. And we all know that Julian Breesbaugh is saying he can't do much and he doesn't have much cap room, which is true objectively, yeah. but this is one of the most creative GMs in the league is Julian Breesbaugh. One of the, certainly the most accomplished, I mean, with winning the cups, but also just some of the, I mean, this, he's got, he's got iron, you know what he's, he's traded tons of first round picks in, you know, it looks good when they win the cup, but if they didn't win the cup, some of those moves, you know, would have been maybe harshly criticized. Um, You know, I, I have to believe that with the the time remaining, not that he's reacting to Toronto's move. I think he would have been looking to upgrade his team anyway, because it's what he does, but I do think it, it, puts a little onus on him to go out and, and 
do something for for Tampa. Maybe it's the the blue line for for them, right? I mean, since last year, uh, they they've lost Ryan McDonough. You know, he was a cap casualty in the off season. You know, they might not be a stout back there. I mean, still got a lot of horses. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I, I think that that there's going to be a, a a ball that falls in Tampa because we just we already know this is a first round matchup, and we already know if you're both Tampa and the Leafs, you're planning on winning in the first round, but then you're probably facing Boston, so you're you're planning on two really really difficult opponents, and that's before you even get to a conference final. Man, this trade, like I know everyone was kind of you know poo-pooing the format and. And we're all like, oh no, we already know what's gonna happen with that Toronto. T- we're go- we're gonna get that series. This trade excites me for that now. Like, I can't wait to like. I mean, hopefully the Calgary Flames make the playoffs, so I can at least cover a playoff series. But I will definitely be tuning in for t- Toronto Tampa Bay. Well, I mean, and now all of a sudden, and I've said this, and I'm sure you've made the point, Julian. There's there's something matters in these last 25 games for the Leafs. It might not be the results explicitly, but it's how this fits together. It's it's finding the you know, basically you, you've got these new pieces, but how does, how does that work? I mean, it's, it's plausible. Look, they're, they're going to play Saturday night against Montreal. You know, they're, they're going to start with a certain formation, but it's plausible. It might not work initially. And they've got to juggle it around. Like, I think that if you're a Leafs fan, this gives you new reason to watch um, because you're, you, you're really trying to figure out like, what's the best version of this team? How good can they get before the, the ultimate test starting, you know, April 17th in Tampa. So um yeah, I think this adds a little bit of life back into the season for for Leafs fans, and I'm sure our our good friend Steve, Adam, good friends Jesse, producer Nick, I'm sure they're all pretty fired up about this too. All right, uh, that concludes Leafs corner. Uh, until the very next time we just we discuss the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, it's time for Patrick Kane time. Uh, what can you tell us about that situation and whatever could be going on there? Yeah, let's do a headlines-like segment. I'll be quick because I I know we don't have a lot of time today. But, you know, Patrick Kane, huge, huge point in in his season and his decision-making. Expected, again, still within three to four days, I'd say, that that he's going to indicate to Chicago management what he'd like to do. We know the Leafs basically are off the board now. If they were ever going to be a serious option, I I would say that 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 door is most likely closed. Um, as I've said, there's maybe some hope the Rangers can could maybe think about it, but both let for for all intents and purposes, let's call them closed. You know, one new option I've heard about that's out there is that the Edmonton Oilers have expressed at least some small interest here to see if Patrick Kane would be willing to come and and wave his no movement clause and go no there. No way, and, that would be insane. And so, let me be clear. I'm not saying that trade is going to happen because everyone wants to jump on these things, but I know for sure the Oilers have at least expressed some interest to see if there's something that can be done there. Ultimately, like with any team, Patrick Kane is going to be the call. Do you want to move is the first question. And will you move to our city is the second. I've heard, you know, third, fourth party that Kane is at least maybe it's piqued his interest, but you know, I, I let's just see where that goes, but, but there's been at least, some small interest there to see if there's a fit. I mean, look, we talked about Eric Carlson with Edmonton last week. That seems to have gone a little quiet. The Oilers are clearly looking to see how they can make a big move, right? They're not, they're not just hunting around the the fourth round pick for this rental player. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, in this case, Patrick Kane is a rental player, but they're, they're looking to make impactful moves and um, yeah. So stay tuned there. Okay. Uh, You, you have piqued my curiosity. 
uh, with discussions about the Edmonton Oilers. Um, anything with uh, Timo Meyer? Actually, another point on Edmonton um, oh, sorry. also is that, you know, we're, we've all been wondering what was going to happen, right? There, there's the the waiver, like, is there going to be a big waiver move this week? Um, you know, they ultimately send a couple of players, the American Hockey League, to, to manage in the short term their cap situation. I think a lot of people, including myself, just assumed Jesse Pugliarvi was the odd man out in Edmonton. I mean, it definitely looked and sounded that way that he would definitely be traded 100%. You know, they are a team that is going to have to create some room by moving a player out. But but what's interesting to me is, is I've heard that in recent days, the Oilers have at least broached the possibility of extending Pugliarvi instead of just trading him. You know, possibly trying to get him to be signed to a cheaper extension beyond this year. He's on an expiring deal. He's a restricted free agent. And, you know, I don't think those talks went anywhere. I'm not sure where they stand at this moment, but you know, a guy that, that it just has always seemed like was is on his last day in the city. They've at least broached the possibility of seeing if they could extend him. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty interesting too. Um, as you know, we all look to see what moves the Oilers make to create cap space. Cause it, whatever they do, if it's, if it's a big name or a small name, it's basically money in money out. And so whether it's someone like Warren Fogle or maybe still it's Pooley RV that that's the odd man out. Maybe it's somebody else they're trading. They they have to remove money from that roster, but they're at least seeing if Pooley RV is willing to stick around. And and uh, I don't know if he is at this point, but I just thought it's interesting they've had that discussion. I just had a weird deja vu moment because uh, because that was that's exactly what you said during the episode that no one will ever hear. Well, the Pooley RV detail. <laughs> I mean, but you have to remember, no one's ever heard it but you and Nick and me. It, so I know, I know. That's it's what still I'm new information that, that the listeners new. haven't heard yet. Very new. It's just, you know, just a shout out to the episode no one will ever hear. Okay, sorry Tino about Meyer, that. Number was, one. Let's on go CJ's Let's go to Tebow. Trade deadline, big board. Let's do number it. Number one with a bullet. It actually sounds like things Bing. have gone quiet here. And and so here's what I said on the episode you didn't hear. Sounds like Timo Meyer is holding up the market, and I would expect he's the next forward traded, something to that effect. Well, that analysis was not correct uh, because Ryan O'Reilly was, in fact, the next forward traded, along with another forward named Nolachari. But, um, you know, it does sound as though things have gone a little quiet on Meyer. I wouldn't read too much into that. I mean, obviously, the Leafs now are no longer a bitter there. I, I still believe New Jersey and Carolina to be the teams with the highest degree of interest and the biggest ability to, to make this addition. And and I think, you know, ultimately the Devils and, and Hurricanes now know with without a doubt that, you know, it's three pieces for Timo Meyer. That's what the Sharks ask is, you know, they want a, a first round pick. They want a young player. They want a, a, a nice prospect. Uh, that's where some of the haggling comes in, I'm sure, with the list that each team has of, of prospects. And, you know, now we see what happens. But it doesn't sound as though that, you know, it's, things have cooled off there for the moment now. You know, typical caveats. You might be listening to this on Sunday, and maybe one phone call's changed things. Maybe New Jersey's come back and said, "Okay, you can have Prospect X," uh, and and that moves things forward. But you know, for the time being, as of Saturday afternoon, that that has gone quiet. But I expect it will heat up at some point because Timo Meyer only gets more valuable when when you you take away Horvat, you take away Tarasenko, you take away um, you know Ryan O'Reilly. There's the impactful forwards, and there was a lot of them. To enter this trade period, we're, we're losing them one by one, but Meyer still is just dangling there for someone. Okay. Uh, we've talked a lot about teams uh, who could be buying at the deadline. What about teams who could be selling at the deadline? Two stand out to me. 
The most interesting, arguably, is the Washington Capitals. Now, on Saturday, they're going to play a stadium series game outdoors in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, I don't know that they've fully committed to their plan just yet, but there are indications that the Capitals are now looking potentially at selling some of their players. And what's interesting there is they have a couple defensemen that are pending unrestricted free agents. Uh, and one, you know, that's that's played a huge role in that organization, Dmitry Orlov. Uh, the Capitals have had some contract extension talks with him. It sounds like term has been a real sticking point in terms of trying to get him signed. And there is some belief that the Capitals would entertain offers for Orlov. They also have Nick Jensen, uh, a player that's been part of their organization the last number of seasons. And, and as you go further down the lineup, TVR, not JVR, his brother, who is also involved uh, out of Philly in trade talks, but but Trevor Van Riemsdyk, another defenseman with a, a pretty low ticket in terms of his cap hit. You know, those are players on expiring deals that that I think could be on the market, especially, you know, Washington's had such a tough run of injuries and, and other issues come up. I think they lead the league in man games lost. You know, it seems as though they're, they're starting to lean fairly heavily towards punting on this season, selling the assets they have to sell and then, rebooting it again next year the other team uh has discussed a little bit but the nashville predators i i believe could come out of this weekend ready to basically entertain any and all offers on any of their players so that brings players like matthias Ekholm into play you know i i wonder about Jano there you know he's he's a pending restricted free agent hits like a truck um you know can play I think an important bottom six role, you know, I, I wonder if they make him available. Certainly I think there'd be heavy interest, but the predators are a team to, to really watch, especially if their games this weekend, which haven't been played at the time of this recording, don't go their way. I think that uh, David Poyle is ready to shake things up in Nashville. Take a breath. That's a lot of info. You just went through in a matter of like what? 30 minutes. Yeah. That's enough though. Cause we're going to, we're going to be back on Monday, man. This is things are heating up. Like I'm loving this. I'm loving this too, man. We will be back on Monday. Get your questions in uh, for Ask CJ, whether on Discord, whether on Twitter. Um, subscribe to the podcast, however you listen to the podcast, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, however you do it, because there will be more madness to come uh, as we make the run to the March 3rd trade deadline. CJ, I hope you've mixed in a water or two. Yeah, I'm literally still in my running gear. There's no time. Yeah, you literally gave him a run. Okay, I'm I'm literally wearing my smelly running gear. That's my dedication to the fans. Go take a shower, buddy. I, I'm worried though. If I take a shower, I might miss something. <laughs> Just <laughs> I, I think you can leave your phone for another 15 minutes. Okay, deal. All right. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. Enjoy your weekend. Peace. The Chris Johnson Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.